0: We're gonna have sort of the second half of the story now. Um, just before we start, I'm gonna invite beautiful Jada, and she's gonna be reading the Bible for us. So give her a round of applause. <laughs> Let's
1: read God's word. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So he took, De- so they took Jesus, and he went out. Bearing his own cross to place, call uh, to the place called the place of the skull, which the Aramic is called Golgotha. There are a, there they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put them all oh, and put it on the cross. It, it read, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, the king of Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified. It was near the city and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin and in Greek. So the chief priests and Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of Jews, but rather this man who said, I am the king of Jews. Pilate answered, What have I written to I have written? When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier. also his tunic from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfil the script which says, they divided my garments among them, so they made for and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus, where his mother and his mother's sister Mary and his wife of Col- Colophus and Mary's Magdalene, when Jesus saw his mother and his disciple whom he loved standing nearby. He said to his mother, "Whom beho- a woman behold your son." Then he said to the disciples, "Behold your mother." And from that uh, that hour the disciple took her and his own to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was finished, said to fulfil the script, "I thirst." A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge of sour wine as a hossop branch and held it to his mouth when Jesus had received the sour wine he said it was finished uh, it is finished and he bowed his head and gave his spirit up his spirit Give <clears throat>
0: So um, if you don't know me, my name is Kate. Um, I'm going to be chatting a little bit about the passage that we just read. Um, so we're going to be doing a brief rundown of the passage, uh, focusing on the death of Jesus. That's like what the passage is all about. Uh, then we'll be talking about why this happened to him uh, and why it was necessary. Um, and then we're going to be chatting about what comes after this and what our response should be. So from these verses, we see we are up close and personal with Jesus' last moments before his death. Even though this part of the Bible is quite heavy and really sad in some ways, there's still so much to learn and take from it. Uh, So we're going to go through the verses. Um, If you don't have your Bibles open so you can follow along. Verses 17 to 19, Jesus is taken to the outskirts of town to be crucified. We know from the previous verses and what Katie talked about that he's mocked and ridiculed on the way there. He is made to carry his own cross, uh, which back in the day was a Roman custom that was used to shame criminals. Um, It was like a big public declaration, like a huge arrow pointing towards Jesus that just says, like, I am a criminal. From verse 19, we read that Pilate creates a notice that says, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. The Jews there didn't like this, and fairly so. I mean, one of the main reasons they handed him over to Pilate in their little citizen's arrest uh, was because they so strongly believed that he was not their saviour. They handed him over to Pilate. He's let them crucify Jesus. And now he's written this sign acknowledging the very thing they hated him for. The Jews are saying, he's not our king. And then Pilate has just written a sign, king of the Jews. In verse 24, they take Jesus' clothes and divide them up again amongst the guards. For his garment, they cast lots. This is a really cool part of the passage because it was foretold in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms. We read in chapter 22, verse 18, they divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. This is a passage about a person crying out for God to save him because he's being tortured by his enemies. This is so like the verses we are reading tonight. Jesus has just come from being tortured, like the individual in the passage, and then flicking back to John, we still see those similarities in how they cast lots for his garment. From verses 25 to 27, we understand that Jesus is looking down at his own mother and John, who he refers to as the disciple whom he loved. He says to Mary, here is your son, and to John, here is your mother. Jesus, in his moment of suffering, ensures that his mother can survive without him. In these days, women a lot of women didn't work sort of like they do now. Um, And a huge part of their role was to sort of stay home and cook and clean and look after the children, uh, which they couldn't really do without a man going out and then bringing home the money at the end of the day. What he's doing is ensuring that Mary will be okay after his death. From verse 28, we see we're even closer to Jesus' death. Verses 28 to 30 are really important, so I'm just going to read them again. If you have it open, follow along. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. I'm just going to read verse 28 again because it's really important. Later, knowing everything had now been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Everything in the Bible has led to this moment. From the fall of humanity, when Eve took the fruit from the tree in Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden, throughout every story in the Old Testament, it led to this. It's not just Eve in the Garden that led to this. It's so many other parts of the Old Testament which point to this, point to Jesus. Um, I'm going to read a passage where this was foretold, like where they like predicted or prophesied about it. Uh, So one of the many examples in Isaiah, specifically chapter 7, uh, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. All the way forward to the New Testament, in Luke 1, verses 26, it says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And then in verse 31, in that same chapter in Luke, it says, The angel says to Mary again, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. God was orchestrating Jesus' death all along and we can see it from these sorts of passages. Jesus is not just some random guy that died. He is our Savior and He was chosen to be the one to take our sins. Everything was formed around Jesus dying in this passage in John. Which is just so cool. Can I get like a whoa that's so cool, Kate? So cool, I know it's so cool. That so, what does this mean for us? Like, hey, why you so enthusiastically rambled about some guy that died? Okay. So, his death, what we are reading from John, breaks the barrier between us and God. It is through his death that we can have a relationship with God. Jesus cleared the way for us to be with him. Isaac told us last week that Jesus became sin for us. Remember? Remember? Okay, cool. Uh, he mentioned two Corinthians chapter five verses twenty-one, which says, "God made him, which is Jesus, uh, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God." Because Jesus became sin, his death means that our sin is also put to death. This is an incredible gift. before this, we were destined for death because of our sin. We deserve to be punished for what we have done in our lives. It is only through God's incredible grace and mercy of him sending his son to die for us that we have eternal life in him. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Transgressions are basically things that just go against God's law. So like sort of like sins. Um, Skipping to verses 4 and 5, it says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. The incredible gift is God's grace and mercy for us, even though we deserve death. It doesn't end here, though. Jesus did not stay dead for our transgressions; our sins were saved, and then Jesus is resurrected. In Luke twenty-four, verse six, it says, "He is not here, but He is risen." It's talking about the the tomb, like He's not here, but He's risen. Woo. Um Jesus, yeah, <laughs> so cool. Um, Jesus' resurrection from the dead is proof of His victory over sin. Jesus becoming sin to die for us. Like in that passage in Corinthians, and then returning from the dead allows us to have a relationship with God. His res- yeah, oh, I'm so glad. Um, <laughs> his resurrection enables us to have eternal life with Him. You can stop now. Oh, like maybe uh, never mind. <laughs> For us today, here now at Restore, this is a huge burden lifted from our shoulders. We should not feel the weight of our sin because we know that it has been paid for forever. What I hope for you guys is that you will remember what God has done for us in sending Jesus. We can have comfort in this passage from John as it is the story of how we were saved. What's our response, right? What should we do or change after hearing this? It can sometimes be hard to find specific applications for our lives now in passages like this. And I think a big factor is that there are so many things that you could take from it. Uh, Today, I would hope you take at least one. For you, this could mean loving others more because of how God first loved you. This could mean evangelising to others about how Jesus died for us Like being really impacted by this passage in John and then wanting to tell the world how we've been saved. It might also look like something a little bit more simple. Maybe it's just a prayer you need to pray, a real and genuine prayer, thanking God for his mercy that we don't deserve. For me, I think about God's forgiveness. How he forgave us, me, he forgave me, when we, I definitely didn't deserve it. It's a reminder for me to be more forgiving of the people around me. So, we learn about Jesus' death in the passage from John 19. We know it was so he could have, we could have a relationship with God. Jesus died so we don't have to suffer the punishment for our sins. We know that God's mercy and forgiveness and grace is a really amazing gift that we've been given. But it doesn't end there because Jesus rose from the dead, taking the punishment for all our wrongdoings. I would hope that you can figure out a way you could change in response to this passage. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thanks so much for bringing us here to restore tonight. Lord, I thank you for sending your only son to die on the cross to save our sins. I pray that we will all continuously strive to remember your grace and mercy. I pray that you will help us respond to this passage in all different ways and that you will help us be accountable and change our attitudes and hearts. Amen.